Happy summer and thanks for listening. Just as the seasons change, we too are changing things up a bit here on Coffee and Change. As we head into the summer season, as families begin to reunite, take road trips, make memories, and celebrate moments together, we want to meet people where they're at, wherever they're listening. And my guest on this special episode makes that possible. The musical opening you heard is the summer season composition and score for this podcast, penned and played by none other than Jason Latham. As part of our creative partnership, Jason wanted to bring our listening community a sound for summer. That sound captures the season and spirit perfectly, as I will be taking a few episodes of the podcast on the road this summer, meeting people where they're at. So to kick off that special series, let's hear from the composer and creator who in his story reminds us of the power of playing it through, learning from the next generation, and listening to your heart, all while being pulled toward pathways and tide pools by the unbridled power of unconditional love. Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. So I'd love for you to start wherever you want to start um, and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, maybe where you're at in the world. Um, so um, first and foremost, um, I'm a father and a husband. Um, I've run into trouble with that title in my work life many times. So I've become a self-employed father and husband. Um, my wife and I own a business together and um, it's, a, it's a successful uh, financial services business. And she holds most of the licenses. So a lot of the parenting you know, she has to run the business on, on the day to day and a lot of the parenting falls to me. And, um, and I love that. And, um, I think that she does too. With our two older children, we have two adult children and two young children with our two older children that she was on the other foot. And so we switched places in a lot of ways and, um, I'm getting an opportunity to do something a lot of men don't get to do. Um, and, um, and I embrace it. I didn't know that this year was going to be the weirdest year in our lifetimes when I, when I agreed to this role. And um, that's presented very unique challenges. It's present, uh, presented very unique uh, rewards and um, a path of roots, rocks, flowers, uh, sunshine, um, obstacles and, and achievements that um, I went into completely blind, as did the rest of us. Um, 
I'm not terminally unique in any way, shape, or form in that sense. Um, but uh, I was blessed with uh, two wonderful, uh, lively, spirited <laughs> uh, children who said, you know, let's do this together. We, we don't really, I guess, have a choice right now, or the choices that we do have, here's our best option. You know, because like most of us, we had a choice of remote schooling, um, which was, was for us was, was miserable. I know some people did it better than others. For us, it was a pretty miserable experience. Um, we had a choice of hybrid schooling, which seemed to, to change uh, every three to five days, you know, what, what the expectation model is. And I don't fault anybody for that. That's not me bad-mouthing or blaming anybody. That's just, that's the reality. That's where we were. And I'm very blessed to have been able to say, let's stay home and do this together. And so we didn't do a bunch of, uh, we didn't buy a curriculum online. We didn't get a bunch of textbooks. We didn't, that's not the route we went. We went more of an unschooling route. And um, we learned to cook together. Uh, I used to be a chef, so I was able to teach some of that. Um, we learned, we, we cooked international cuisines together. We learned how to measure, weigh portion plan. Uh, we went grocery shopping together, even though we weren't, I guess, supposed to be going to the grocery stores, <laughs> you know, um, and especially as, you know, a, a unit of three, but they learned how to read shelf tags. Um, they learned how to, again, uh, portion plan, prepare, you know, uh, all of those things that you don't get to learn that in school. And I saw this this year as an opportunity to, to learn some things that you wouldn't normally learn in school. We went on a thousand great adventures. Um, we, I taught them to surf. I didn't teach them. I, I uh, we went surfing. Um, <laughs> uh, we hired an instructor because, and that was one of the things I guess, Bill, that I, I should mention is that um, I didn't do all the teaching. You know, a lot of it was just me providing uh, an outlet um, because I think as parents we need to know our limitations. And I always wanted to be dad at the end of the day. I didn't want to be a teacher at the end of the day. I didn't want to be the disciplinarian. I didn't want to be, you know, the the um, the one who was driving the curriculum. I wanted to be dad. When I tuck them into bed and when I wake them up, I want to be dad. So um, I did do a lot of things where, you know, we, we got a subscription music teaching service. I was a music teacher, so I felt really weird about that one. Um, but I know, and I tried to teach my older children how to play music, and they're both musicians, but they neither one of them let me teach them. <laughs> you know, so um, I I had to take my feelings out of it and not not have my feelings hurt, you know. But Maston, my son, learned how to read. He he was having trouble reading. He was in special programs for for his reading, and he learned how to read this year by reading instructions how to play video games that he wanted to play. And, um, you know, when we would go out to a bakery or, or a deli or an ice cream shop, if you want to eat, you want to order, you got to tell me what you want. And you can't just point and say the brown one. You know, so um, he learned to read by, by doing those things. Uh, Mo um, is my 11-year-old. Um, her, her born name is Amalia. And uh, I say uh, their born name is Amalia. And this year, Amalia realized that uh, Mo is transgender. And Mo wouldn't have been able to, to be as comfortable, as steady with that change 
in a traditional school setting as they were at home to just say, Dad, Mom, I need you to understand something about me. You know, and we weren't, I guess, stressed and driven by time as badly. So we were able to settle into it and say, you're Mo, you're they, them, and come sit with me. I'm still, I'm still dad, you know, and, uh, and that's fine. Um, so it really presented some beautiful things. Um, even though the challenges were huge, especially during the winter, when the winter months set in and we, you know, we live in New Hampshire. So when winter hits here, it hits hard and, um, we're outdoor people, you know, during the summer, it was, it was kind of easy. We just spent a lot of time at the beach and the lake and on the mountains and, you know, learned about our local flora and fauna and, um, you know, did those things. And, uh, we would go on road trips and the math lesson of the day was figure out what the average gas mileage is going to be to get to Lake Winnipesaukee. You know, you guys tell me what I need to put in the car. <laughs> and, um, and that was cool. You know, that was really, I was going to say it's really easy to do it. It, um, it wasn't at first they had to learn how to do that. Um, but it was very natural, I guess is the word I'm looking for. You know, that's our math lesson today. Nothing more and nothing less. Sometimes the math lesson would be, hey, if a small ice cream is this much and a medium ice cream is that much, you know, then what does it come down to, you know, what's the difference in ounces and what does it cost? What's the better deal? Let's get one medium and share it. <laughs> and um, those are great life lessons. Those are great things to be able to do. Um, a lot of it was lessons in frustration. Um, but hey, man, that's life, right? Yeah, I think I think what's so beautiful about your example and what comes to mind, like the picture in my mind is, as you said, at the beginning of the day, you have these beautiful young people probably looking at you and saying, Dad, what are we going to learn today? And at the end of the day, you're, t you know, safely tucking those little beautiful people in and you're saying to yourself to, to your wife, Isis, hey, Isis, guess what I learned today? So it was a complete balance. As you described it, it's natural learning. Yeah, I said to you before, I think, and, and this actually comes from a friend of mine who said, you know, so two quotes that I, I fall back on in, in these times over and over again. One was my mother who said, you know, that um, raising children, all we can do is raise them to make the best choices they can make. And then we have to let them make them. That's the hard part. The hard part is trusting that I've done a good enough job. It's not trusting them to make the best choices. It's trusting that I have prepared them for it. Um, and then letting them make them let go and step back and say, you know, Jerrica, you're going to make a good, a good decision buying this car. I know you are because we've talked about cars. You know, we've, I've given you all the information I have and I usually get good cars, so you should be able to, um, and, and, you know, Mastin, you know, or, or, or Mo, you know, in similar situations, you know, um, Mo's become very independent, wants to go walk downtown on their own. They're 11 years old. We live in a pretty small town. I'm pretty comfortable with that. But we live in a big enough town that I know that there's also some dangers. And, um, you know, and there are times that I do say no. You know, I've got an intuition that today you're staying, that's not happening. And Mo's pretty good about that. And usually, you know, we'll 
say, okay, and you know, we'll, we'll go together is usually what happens on those days. But I know that they need their independence and I know that they need that time to be able to go. And so I have to trust that I've made enough, I've done enough preparation and I've done enough um, teaching and how to make good choices. And, you know, uh, we had a big storm coming in the other day and Mo was downtown and, and uh, Mo texted me and said, if I have to, I'll go to the office, but I'm going to try to come home because if they're downtown, they're closer to our office than home. You're making a good choice, you know, and it's those little things in there that, that confirm those things for us. Um, so far, you know, and, and I pray it always stays that way. And that's how my parents raised me and my sister. And, um, that's what we can do. The other quote, uh, is a friend of mine said, you know, if we as parents can teach our children half as much as they'll teach us, we will have been successful parents. And, uh, man, oh man, do I go back to that, you know? Um, and that was this year. That was every day, as you just alluded to every day, the, you know, the, the conversation at the end of the day was more often, you know, guess what the kids showed me today? Guess what the kids taught me today? You know, I was going to screw up the, uh, I used to be a chef and I was going to screw up the thing that we were cooking. And then Mastin caught it and, you know, said, dad, if we, you know, do it this way and, you know, whatever it might have been, um, you know, we we had several of those day trip adventures where we ended up in an entire, entirely different place than we intended to go. You know, we were going to go and check out a new lake or something like that. We'd miss an exit, you know, and uh, and and they would be the ones more often than not to say, oh, we're going to do this today. We found a, a different lake. We still did the same thing we were going to do. We found a new favorite spot. And uh, that was actually one of the things that Mo said is, you know, a lot of times these things end up being our new favorites, Dad. I was like, okay, drive on. <laughs> I don't know if this is one of them, but you're right. You know, um, you have your old favorites and you'll get stuck in a rut if that's all you ever do. So check out something new. And that's how we learn, right? I mean, that's, that's literally life's pattern of learning is every new experience we come across brings up a new neural pattern and curiosity and inquiry and wonder and a little bit of discomfort. And that's how you know you're learning. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because in my experience as a music teacher, that is so much of what I teach my students. They're, they aren't wrong notes, man. You know, they aren't. It's, it's not that note that you just played. It's the next one that either resolves it or makes it worse. You know, but that's that's the choice that you get when you play a wrong note in life. Um, as in my experience as a chef, that was one of the things that the guy I apprenticed under said is... Uh, I don't care how well you follow instructions. I care how well you fix mistakes because we're all going to make them. Everybody's going to make a mistake and uh, you're going to make six of them before you leave. I think that was what he said was you're going to make six of them before you leave here today. I don't know which ones they're going to be. You're going to fix five of them and that's all that matters. I'll fix the sixth. It's interesting. Um, maybe, maybe sort of in a serendipitous way, last night I decided to watch rewatch the movie Goonies. And it had been a long time since I'd seen the movie Goonies. Yeah, um, sure. And I think it's I been a long time since anybody's seen that movie though. Yeah, and but it's like a, it's a favorite of ours, right? Like I remember being growing up and and 
and just sort of fantasizing about that level of adventure and passion and pursuit and just going after something with your heart through the through the mind of eyes and mind and heart of an 11 year old kid you know and and what comes to mind is um there's this scene where um the character annie is playing the bone bone piano there's a part where there you know there's all the the booby trap set by one-eyed willie and they've got to play the notes that are on the back of the map in order to kind of open up a trap door and you know she says I haven't played since I was in fourth grade. And, and there's this moment where all of the different characters around her say, we believe in you, we believe in you. And does she hit a few, a few bad notes? Yeah. Does part of the floor fall out? Yeah. But they all come together and they say, we believe in you. And it's not about the note you hit now. It's about the next note that you hit. And once she got that, you know, there's that scene where they kind of, and it's like the Eureka music and they're, they jump through and then they go into the water slide and, you know, down to the pirate ship. But, it's just interesting that when you were talking about that, I was thinking about that last night, about how we get so caught up in the current note we were playing that we are missing the entire... Um, as musicians, you know, again, to that, as a teacher um, and as a musician, when you're first learning and you hit that bad note, you stop. You, 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 yeah, you grab your instrument, you make it stop, you know, all, all sound must stop now. Cause that was not what I wanted. And that's the mistake. The mistake wasn't the note. The mistake is stopping. The mistake is seizing up and, and, and making everything silent. Um, there's a certain amount of knowledge and preparation that has to go into how do I get out of that wrong note? You know, what is the next, you know, how do I get back to, re- to, to resolution? Um, but that only comes through experience. There's no shortcuts, you know, there's no magic formula, no silver bullet, you know, it's just, that only comes through experience. Um, and that's, you know, that's that, um, let them make their decision. You know, that's where you have to let go and say, this, this may end in skinned knees and, and second bad notes and, you know, stitches and, you know, all of those things, it may end in that. But I have to let you go and, and find that out now. This is your experience, not mine. Um, which is one of the other things that you and I spoke about, which is that this is their experience. This is not my experience. Um, this is their world that we're preparing them for. Um, I am 51. I plan to live to be 100. Um, that that is, That is my plan. So um, I tell everybody that um, I've had a pretty good first half of my life. I've gone through the same struggles, troubles as, as most other people, but I've had a pretty good first half of my life um, because I, I've tried to use those experiences in the bad spots to be able to get to the next good spot. Um, that was instilled in me young and, and well. And so I really try to use that, and I think that's what's given me a good life. I've had five, six different actual careers in 50 years um, and had varying levels of success with all of them and no failures. You know, I've had some skinned knees. I've had some boo-boos. I've had some, well, I'm not going to do that again. Um, I have, there are some things that if I had it to do over again, I wouldn't do. But they weren't failures. They, they got me where I am. But I tell everybody this next half of my life is going to be better than the first half. 
Um, and I'm, you know, I'm working on that. Uh, and so far I can, you know, I'm, I'm only a year into it, but, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's been quite a, it's, it's a heck of a year. It, to it be is. A year it's a heck of a year. It, right? And if I did okay through this, you know, um, I think that, that I can say that we'll be, we'll be okay. I don't know what's coming, you know, um, there are, there are things out there that are big and ugly and scary, and I'm not going to focus on them, you know, um, I'm, I'm going to look for, for what's the next right note, you know, um, when, when I used to mountain bike a lot, way too much. And that was one of the things that we learned as mountain bikers is you don't look at the rock that you want to miss. You look at, you look at the line that gets you around that rock. Um, so I try to remember that I try to focus on that, but I, I guess that I'm getting off the point, which is that, um, I want to leave what I can of this world in better shape than it was given to me. And that's not me condemning the boomer generation or, or my parents' generation or any of that. I think that we all do the best that we can with what we have, you know. And um, they didn't have some of the knowledge that we have, and we don't have some of the knowledge that our children are going to have. And so that was the single biggest lesson for me in this year. Um, and the thing that I came away from saying is I, I just sent my kids back to regular school um, just within a few weeks of this interview, um, and they're almost out of school. It's the weirdest school year ever. Um, but this is their world. I've done most of what I'm going to do in this world. You know, if I... You know, heaven forbid, if I died tomorrow, um, I could well say, I did what I could do. I don't have a lot of regrets. And um, as we sort of wrapped up our year of schooling and I sent them back, and I, I say that, but I, I don't know that that's true because they're still my kids. I didn't hand them over to new parents. And we're about to hit summer vacation, and I don't have any camp plans because we can't get into a camp. We we are too slow. Um, but I don't know that I would want to either. Um, you know, so as I look at all of that, and I think to myself, you know, they're ready. Even at even at the young age that they are, I have never seen two more self-assured, confident people. They don't have all the skills that we have. And in some ways, that's probably good. You know, because they can develop those. You know, you know, it's like we say when we hire. You know, we hire for attitude and we train for skills. Well, these kids have got attitudes. You know, and there's not much that's going to stop them. And they know what they want. They have this, this vision of a better world that we didn't have growing up as, as our, you know, in our generation, and you're, you're a little bit younger than me, but um, we, we thought we were going to end a nuclear war in our time. We didn't, it wasn't on our radar to be able to say, we want gender equality. We want um, Black Lives Matter. It wasn't something that we... Uh, you know, some of my friends and myself, I hope, lived that, 
but we weren't conscious of it like like the kids are today. And and conscious of the need to bring things forward in this world and talk about them and have an open, you know, a national conversation. How many times have we heard that? These kids are doing it. Yeah. They're they're doing it. It's 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 not a slogan. It's not put on a flag. It's not hung on a, in uh, you know in our yards. It's lived on a daily basis. And um, you know, as I was watching that unfold um, as they went back to school, I thought that's what this has been about. You know, and that's what this year. That's what stopping the world has been about. You and I, when we very first met, talked about that, that, you know, um, there's going to be good that comes out of this, and we've got to be very careful about what we want to bring as we enter that term that we both agreed we don't like, our new normal. Um, well, it, 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 I don't like the term because I don't, I don't think it encompasses what I want to say, but I don't know that I have a better bunch of words to fit it. Um, so what do we want to bring with us from the, from these lessons? And what do we not want to bring with us from before them? We're in a very unique position right now, I think, in the history of the world, if I can say that without being too heavy, to decide what of these things do we want to carry with us? What of these things does this younger generation want to bring with them? It's not our choice. We're almost done here. It is not our choice. It's theirs. And they showed me they're ready to take it on. Yeah, one of the things that you and I chatted about was when we talked before, and I've been so privileged to have you share the sort of walks that you've taken you know, with Mo and Mastin and um, the puppies and, and people. And um, one of the things I said was what came to mind was this song where one of the lines is, the kids will take their monsters on. And I get emotional about it now because I think, I think back to, and I'd love to read a little bit about the, the post you shared on May 15th. Um, May 15th is when you got your second vaccine shot. And you reflected um, a lot on, on what came to you, as many of us did. Um, I remember when I got my second shot sitting there and sort of the time that you're expected to wait to make sure you don't have a reaction. And man, did the emotions come up. Um, and so if it's okay with you, I'd like to read a little bit of some segments of what you posted because it was extremely powerful to read that day, knowing this is kind of what I was going to be going into and experiencing the emotion as well. So I'll read from a couple of um, portions of it because it was a beautiful post. So you said, all the feels were there, and it was more emotional than I guess I expected. A little over a year ago, I was in a store across the street from where I received my vaccine, stocking up on home necessities, putting together our emergency supplies when I was first hit by what was really going on. I remember the looks on people's faces, the surreal sorting out of the masks and gloves, the stunned cashiers in the checkout lines. I remember thinking 
that we had had never seen anything like this in the modern world and telling my wife that there was going to be hundreds of thousands dead and this would tear the seams of our societal fabric in a way we couldn't understand at the time. I'm sorry that I was right. We were trying to figure out how we were going to stay in business without being derailed. We were navigating educational and safety choices for our children, realizing there were no perfect answers. We knew that no matter what, we chose we we chose damage would be done to both, so we tried and I think succeeded to choose the paths that would be easiest to repair as things got sorted out. This is the part I love and I think I get emotional about. I watched our children trying to navigate a world that I had never seen and therefore at times was plainly unequipped to guide them through. I tried not to show them that I too was lost and scared. I remember the fights over masks and no masks the attempted and soundly defeated invasion of supposedly Christian big tent revival cult into our beautiful city. I remember that feeling. Now the lines are drawn and we can plainly see who is who and what they're really made of. I lost, poor, I lost four personal friends to COVID, including a man I've known and was close to since we were eight years old. I consider myself lucky. It was only those four that I know of. I worried for my mother as she is in ground zero of mismanagement, misinformation, and denial. And I visited with my sister outdoors in the cold as she attempted to relocate to New England and felt isolated in an area where she didn't know many people in a time where meeting new people was a prospective life and death proposition. And there was winter, the loneliest, hardest winter I can remember. But there was always hope. We slowly gained traction our children will forever know that we literally stopped the world for them and their needs, just like we always said we would. Now, there's more there, and I encourage people to read if, if, if they are connected to you. But that last part about the hope and encouraging the children to see the hope in all of this just really hit me and stuck out with me. And... I know we've said it kind of in conversation before, but I want to say it here on record. Thank you for sharing that because you captured so much that people could not put into words, so much of what people felt. And it goes back to what you said. I look to the younger generation. I look to my nieces, my nephews. They're the ones that gave me the sense of we're going we're gonna to get beyond this. We're going to get through this, but it's not going to be with the same stuff that got us here. It can't be. So I'd love to, I mean, you probably are hearing that back, right? Hearing your own, own words back is always an interesting experience. I would just love to kind of see how you're feeling now, you know, where, where you're at now. And May 15th was not that long ago, to be clear. <laughs> but no, I, I've thought about that day, you know, there was a man sitting next to me who I could see on his face was feeling some of the same things. And um, and we just kind of caught eyes for a moment, and he just gave me this smile that was just like, we made it, you know? First time, we don't know each other. It wasn't somebody who I'd seen around town, you know, but we had this moment there of, we made it. We're going to be okay. And um, some can't say that. Some just can't say that. Um, 
you know, one of the biggest pieces of hope that was given to us during this time was the birth of a grandson. And um, I don't know that he'll ever know because there's no words to give him for what he meant. And I think that, that most grandparents, God, I hope most grandparents feel that way about their grandchildren being born. But at this particular time, and to that particular daughter and son-in-law, not just his birth, but they have this beautiful bond and relationship that they developed in this time. When, when we all isolated and the pandemic hit, they moved in together kind of out of necessity. And um, we were considering if I was going to take my studio apart and make it into her bedroom. And she said, I don't want you to have to do that, Dad. I'm going to go and, and live with Matt. And there is a part of me, as any father does, says, oh, no, I don't know about that, you know. But you just teach them to make the best decisions that they can and then let them make them, right? And, um, you know, and a few months later, she's pregnant and they're getting married. And um, that's how Isis and I did it, too. You know, and here we are 25 years later. My mother, again, my mother's a, a, got a lot of great things to say. You know, said, hey, we didn't think you guys were going to pull it off either. So you proved us wrong. Give them room to prove you wrong. And, uh, you know, that that's, that's what I'm seeing. So we have these little pieces of hope that come. Um, one of our little traditions is we, we hatch praying mantises every spring. Tell me more about that. Um, <laughs> uh, well, this is Mo, um, and Mo loves nature and bugs and, you know, all these things. And uh, we started doing this a while back because we knew that that we had a, I guess we had an aphid and a mite problem, and the, the, the mantises, you know, will take care of that pretty quickly. Um, and it's turned into this tradition that every spring we, we hatch mantises. And uh, we did it again this spring. And in spite all the other crap in the world, there they are, hundreds of them. And they just do what they do. And um, I sit there on the porch and I watch them, you know. And and that's part of it's become... I, I, I have a lovely front porch. It's where I like to eat my breakfast and, you know, spend a little time and... Um, I find myself watching for Moe's mantids, you know, cruising around the, the leaves and the cactus that we have out there. They're very beautiful beings, praying mantises or mantises. Um, yeah, they're, they're very, very graceful. Very graceful. And they're very, in a lot of cultures, they are a representation of spiritual as well as mm -hmm. fortune and good luck. Yep. So I'm sure that you and Mo and others have talked a lot about that, right? We have, yeah, and um, one of our favorite things is is how they can just sit and wait. They look dead. They haven't moved in hours, and then all of a sudden, they're like lightning, and they're masters of just sitting and waiting for the good to come to them. But they're also deadly. <laughs> You know, it's like when when they get their when they get their hands on something that's that's you know small enough, it doesn't escape. I actually was reading that they have they believe that they have the the strongest vision in the in the animal kingdom. 
that mantids can actually see a movement. They can see the intention of of a movement. Yeah, um, and I believe that. I mean, you know, I, I have no reason not to. But um, I guess my point in talking about how we do that and that that's our tradition is that that's that hope. That's that that little thing that no, we're still going to do the mantis this year. We didn't last year because we were so caught up in all the other stuff that I forgot or something. There were so many things that were, you know, that were lost in that time, but I decided that the mantis weren't going to be one. So we did them this year and uh, Mo comes home. So Mo had a lot of trouble with this this year, just with a lot, of, a lot of the transition and who they are and not having a lot of friends around and, you know, those kinds of things. And uh, the other day I saw Mo sitting in the garden, like a little kid sits, you know, with the legs splayed out. Yeah. Um, and I was, you know, looked out the window because I hadn't seen that in a long time. And it was a beautiful thing and I was really happy to see. And then I realized that that's exactly what Mo was doing is they were sitting in the garden watching the mantis. And they they found one in, in their mint. They have a little... Uh, I planted a little patch for each of the kids in separate parts of our patio. Um, there's Mastin's little section and there's Mo's. And um, Mo has mint in theirs. And um, so the, the mantids were in the mint. And Mo was just... They're just loving it. And I saw this... That was Mo before the pandemic. That was Mo... And I don't dislike where Mo is now. I, I, I know that Mo's struggling. I dislike the struggle that Mo is having. But I love Mo in the struggle. Um, but in that moment, there was no struggle. That was that was little kid Mo with their mantids in the yard like we've always done, except for last year. And uh, it's those things that are that are those um, those beautiful pieces that we still have of this mosaic. I've always had this picture of, um, and I'm, I'm not a particularly religious person, but um, spiritual, I guess. Uh, I know it sounds trite, but um, I've always had this picture in my head of, of a mosaic that we are, of our world, and that when we're in it, we can't see the art and the perfection. But that from a spirit's point of view, a God's point of view, it's a perfectly placed mosaic. And I was watching Mo in that garden and playing with those mantis, and it was perfect. It was right where we need to be in the middle of this chaos and this struggle that Mo's having. Mo's really struggling with sexual identity. That's the wrong term, with gender identity. Um, and uh, losing friends for making a stand and still continuing to make the stand. And having trouble, not academically in school, but socially in school. And I knew this was coming. Um, but it's part of the process, you know. And, and to see that even in all of that, Mo's still perfectly placed in this mosaic. Mo's going to be just, Mo might be the brightest damn color to come out of it. You know? Um, so I'm, I'm walking this balance of how much do I interject and try to be the father who will always pick you up and clean off your skinned knee. And how much do I need to say, you need to do this one on your own. Because this isn't, and this isn't territory, uh, you know, this isn't territory I'm particularly 
well versed in you know um i've never been non-binary transgender i've never been that i've always known that i i'm a cisgender male and i'm as comfortable with that as mo is with being non-binary trans i love that for them but i don't i don't know the world you know um i'm the son of a gay father and um, I'm the, the brother of a lesbian sister. So I've always had these things in my life, but I've always known that I don't fully understand. But I don't have to either. You know, and that's been a, again, that's been a great lesson for me. And here I am getting that lesson again. But that praying mantis are still beautiful. You know? This world is still going to be beautiful. These children are still going to be beautiful if we let them. If we let go of our own fears, um, don't, don't put them on them. And that's hard to do sometimes as a parent. You know, it's that thing I was talking about when Mo goes for walks downtown. How much do I need to say other than be safe? You have your phone, right? You have your pepper spray, right? Okay. Then I know you're going to be all right. I don't need to say, you know, there's 26 child predators in this town. You know, that's not, that's not, that's my fear. That doesn't need to be most fear. You know, um, so we got to be careful with that stuff. And I see, I see Mo going through these struggles that they're going through and doing that for me. That's my fear, Dad. That doesn't need to be your fear. Wow. Wow. Yeah, the, the amount of lessons they can teach us is really... I mean, it's, it's kind of infinite in many ways. And, and I love the example of the, you know, looking at the praying mantis and, and, you know, and hatching the mantids because you, you think to yourself, here are these little beings that are you know gestating and forming and forming and you and you're watching them and you say to yourself they are going to become this exact perfect still can move with lightning can anticipate movement before it actually happens being that's what that's what they can be and so too can the children yep if we let them yeah, it's really cool. There's been several things like that this spring. Um, they're silly little things that mean so much. We have a, a bunch of mountain laurel out in front of my porch that bloomed the year we moved in and hasn't bloomed since. We've been here for five years or four years. It's blooming this year. Um, a previous owner of the house hung birdhouses all over the place. I've seen some of them get used. Um, there's one in particular that's right on our front porch that I've never seen used. There's a hatch of, of baby birds out there right now. This year, not last year, not the year before, not the year before. Um, so there's these, these little things that uh, I believe in signs. Um, I believe in, in, in spiritual, uh, messages. Um, and I think these are them, you know, and, I went around and planted flowers all over our yard this year, wildflowers, just the scatter type seeds, you know, pollinator mixes and things, because I'm not a gardener. 
Um, <laughs> but part of it was because I was like, well, if I'm not going to mow the yard and I'm not going to mow the cu cut the grass, then let's have flowers, right? Because <laughs> let's let's have a nice wild prairie. You know, <laughs> none of them came up, but the laurels blooming. It's not my plan, man. You know, and it's okay. I guess I'm going to cut the grass. You know, but the laurel's blooming. Laurel makes me sneeze. You might even hear it in my in my uh, in my nasal passages as we speak today. But but it, it, that's okay. It's beautiful. You know, it covers our whole front porch and flowers for about a week, and it's really beautiful. Um, so there's these just these things that some of them are are just good to see you know, the, the same pattern, you know, the world hasn't entirely lit on fire and abandoned us. Um, and some of them are, you know, like the birds and the laurel. That's a first in a long time that we've seen, you know, either of those things. Um, so there's also this fresh new, it's not just, Oh, this is still continuing. Some of it's, Oh, this is new and it's beautiful. Yeah. There's a lot of new, new creation yeah. that I think is coming through. Um, and that kind of pivots me to basically a little bit of the work you do and how we met. I mean, you're a creator, you're a consummate creator. You write music, you compose, you perform. You recently, I believe, kind of had an opportunity to come back and do, or maybe it's in, in the near future, perform some live music. Friday night coming up. I'm totally unprepared. It's going to be great. I could see, I could see it and hear it in your smile. You're so excited for it. Uh -huh. um, you talk, I'm not worried about it at all. It's going to be perfect. Like it's going to be like the wildflowers that pop up in your lawn, <laughs> unexpectedly. That's what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, but we'd love for you to talk a, a little bit about this part of you as a composer, as a musician. And you mentioned you teach children. Yeah, we'd love for you to talk a little bit about that because that's that's also this, the newness, the creation that's coming through you in these times that even connected me to you and you to me. Yes. Um, and it's interesting because I actually was just having a text conversation with uh, the, the people who connect, connected us um, because of their love of Huskies and, and where I am with Panuck right now. And we were just talking about that just before you and I started today. Um, so uh, I've been playing guitar since I was 12 years old. Um, I'm 51 now, so you do the math. Um, I was a music teacher in a music school um, for uh, many years. Um, I worked, uh, that same music school had a, had a recording studio uh, off a separate business, you know, but they were under the same umbrella. And uh, so the, the school director would often bring us in and, um, you know, have his teachers, you know, do session work for him. You know, you want to make a hundred bucks? <laughs> Come in here and lay down a, a lead line, you know. Well, who doesn't want to make a hundred bucks to play a guitar for a few minutes, right? Um, so I would always say yes, and uh, it was really cool. You know, it was a lot of fun. Um, and uh, so I've always made music um, through all the things I've done in my life. Um, that was usually how I would end a day, meditate. You know, that's my prayer and meditation. Um, and... Um, it's my spiritual connection. It always has been. And so therefore that's always been a little bit private. You know, um, I would play gigs. I've played in a bunch of bands, um, you know, uh, stuff like that. Generally speaking though, that, that wasn't that 
deeper creative part of me. It was a skill, you know, to, to, to go out and I'd play a blues set on the patio at somebody's pub or something like that. And I love doing it. Um, but I didn't often play my own work and, you know, those kinds of things. Or if I did, it was just kind of improvised fun and that's all well and good. I'm not trying to knock any of it. I'm glad that, that all of that's there. But this year, um, I started writing, producing and publishing my own works. And, um, part of it was a coping mechanism. And part of it was, uh, I saw an opportunity, um, to start a side business with something I love to do. And it's, it's been funny because it's been, a, it's been a funny combination of that. Some stuff has been very heartfelt, deep and meaningful for me. And I've really loved getting it out into the world and getting it out of me. Um, and some of it has been a little superficial and just fun. You know, I use the, the term guitar wankery, you know, for some of that stuff. It's just me having fun. Um, I did a hip hop piece for, for somebody. Um, I've never done a hip hop piece before. I love hip hop, but I've never, you know, I never considered myself as one who could do that. But she approached me about it and, and I said, as long as you're willing to tell me if it sucks, <laughs> you know, I won't, you won't hurt my feelings, but I don't want you to feel obligated to use it if you have something better. You know, and um, and it got you just got published the other day, so apparently she liked it, um, and I liked it. You know, and that's something that actually I think is really really important to say here, is that um, I've always liked my music, but I've uh, you know, and that I know a lot of musicians who can't say that, and I feel I feel bad for them, and I've always felt that way. If you don't like your own music, why are you making it? Um, if you don't like your own art, uh, whatever it is that you do. Um, and I know that that's, a, that that's a hard thing for a lot of artists. I know it is. I've heard and read many of them say it. We're our own worst critics. Um, I will have people point things out to me in my music sometimes that they don't like. And I've had to learn to say, that's okay. I do. Did you know that drum beats off? Yep. Yep. And there it is. Um, you know, and you listen to like the old, the old recordings of Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin and some of those players. They were not perfect. That is a new thing in this world. You know, that we can quantize and auto-tune and, and, you know, realign and all of those things. That's a new thing in this world. Um, and it's, that's not nature. That's not the, the nature of music. The nature of music is imperfect. Sometimes it's those things. One of my favorite players is Ry Cooter. And sometimes Ry Cooter will hit a... His singing is, is not the best. He'll hit these funny notes, you know. And it's beautiful, man. You know, and you'll hear the slide bounce off the frets as he comes up the net. And he doesn't take it out and make it perfect. He leaves it there. And it's like, man, that song would not be the same without that. And so for me, I've had to come to terms with that for my own music because I straddled those worlds of, you know, the perfect, um, perfectly timed passages of Joe Satriani and those, those shred players that I like and that ugly punk rock, you know, <clears throat> you know, or the Rolling Stones. Were they, were they great musicians? Not a single one of them. Are they the greatest band in rock and roll history? I think so. You know, so how does that happen? 
you know? Um, so to give myself that forgiveness and that space to be able to say, I'm going to publish my music and it's going to be raw and it's going to be me. And, um, you know, you don't have to like it because it's not you. That's okay. Um, that's a really important thing for us to figure out about ourselves. Um, you know, I, I, again, quotes from quotes from people we love in our life, you know, and a man said to me once, Jason, bring your own weight. Don't worry about what people think of you. You're never going to make them happy. Bring your own weight to the room and let them deal with it. You know, the chef, make your mistakes. Chef Shelton, you know, make your mistakes, Jason. There's nothing that can't be fixed. You know, overdone roast beef can become jerky. You know, we got to figure out what we're going to serve today. <laughs> you know, but um, you know, it's it's those things. Um, and in in this year, um, I had to bring that forward in my music, and um, I had to I had to be okay in my heart with the fact that people were going to come to me and say, you know, that drum beats off, right? Does it bother you? Nope. Um, so that's been, that's been a really important journey for me. Um, but what's been really cool is that this year gave me the space to do that. You know, it, it really gave me the space to do that. Um, Isis and I uh, talked about it as, as this was coming up, you know, and we knew that I was not going to be working with her in the office for a while. And it was, well, what are you going to do? And I kind of jokingly said, I'm going to make music, you know, uh, she knew I wasn't joking. You know, I, I meant it kind of that way, but she knew and she said, all right, then how do I help you to do that and make it productive? Um, because that's ISIS. She's a business mind and she's, you know, she's how, how am I, how are you going to make this productive? I don't want to, and part of what she was saying is I don't want to lose you into a spiral of, you know, dreamy Jason head. You know, um, because that's there. That can happen. Um, but she said, you know, I, I want you to be able to do this and to be creative and do what you love, but I can't lose you here. Some of us like Dreamy Jason Head, by the way. Yeah, no, and she does too <laughs> at, at times. Yeah. <laughs> but she's right also. Yes, know? she is right. And yeah. um, and that was a really, that was a really, that's that's what worked was for me to be able to take those two things and say, okay, there's parallel tracks here. And I need, I need a train on both of them if this is going to work. And I'm not going to go friggin' insane this year. But I can let some of these things out finally. I can, you know, I've always said, if you've got a song in you, it's got to come out. It's got to. And, but I wasn't living that. So uh, I was allowed to. That's awesome. Yeah, some of these, I, I love it. It's almost like you said... You know, I think about the the example you gave of the birdhouses and the the different things. Those are nudges, right? Those are spiritual nudges in some way. And I think for me, one of the things that I reconnected with this past year as well was how much music plays a very important role of spiritual nudging for me. Um, and to to get to, and I'm going to put in quotes here, but to get to compose alongside you. Um, was a really, really cathartic spiritual experience for me. 
Um, and I just really appreciate that. Yeah, it, Bill, it's been such a pleasure to work with you on those things because um, you really gave me creative license. Um, but at the same time, you gave me beautiful inspiration. You know, and listening to your podcasts and really, you know, seeing who you are and what that message is that you're trying to put out there in the world and how you let other people in to that with you really helped me to create what we did. Um, and like I said, there are some pieces of music for me that are more superficial and there's some pieces that are that are deeper. And our collaboration on that was kind of new for me. I'm used to collaborating with other musicians and saying, oh, you know, that's a cool bass line. You know, I will have you do that. Um, but to have that that nudge, that spiritual nudge, um, you know, and it, it's cool because it wasn't, what is this song about? That wasn't it. You know, it was, um, it was, what does this song mean? You know, and that's deeper. About tells a story. Mean is an action. What does it mean? And uh, that was really a neat experience for me. Um, I tried to keep both pieces sort of in a similar vein to one another because it's, it's, it's your brand, it's your show. But I also wanted to have a very clear separation of the two because as we went into this together, we were, we were still on the front end of the pandemic. And that first piece was kind of breathing and slowly figuring our way through it. And this new piece is bursting out and saying, what is this new thing that we have? You know, why are these baby birds on my porch? Right. <laughs> you know, they're cool too, you know? Um, and so I really wanted to define those things with, with, with the music, but I also wanted to keep it um, grounded in the same, in the same vein. And uh, I really, you know, I can't say enough about how you just let me do that. My honor, man. It's been, it's been a real, um, I go back to kind of where we started, right? I, I probably start every time we connect. It's, it's what am I going to learn today? And then I know there's another side of it, which is what did you learn today? And that's the beautiful thing about this, right? I've learned so much about the region you live in. I've never been to that part of the world. I've learned oh, you're about. You're coming out soon. I know I need to I need to remedy that because uh, it's just I, I already have kind of this uh, again because of because of all the things that we've had this sort of fascination with that part of the world now and, and that's a great place to start. I also just really appreciate seeing the world through the beautiful eyes of your children and your grandchild. Um, those are all things that I hear woven into your music every time that I have an opportunity to, to hear what you create. And a lot of that first piece that I wrote for you did come from Esri. You know, it, it did. That was, that was, uh, I was kind of back and forth. Is this going to be Bill's piece or is this going to be Esri's piece? And, um, and I knew where it landed, but yeah. And I, I always write that way. I always write for an entity, you know? Um, well, not always. Sometimes I'm just writing for my own fun, but uh, my deeper pieces um, are usually for someone or something. Well, I know we're getting ready to wrap up here because you have to jump on to a lesson that you're going to teach the next generation. But really quickly, can you tell folks about where they can find more about you, what your business is called, the work that you're doing? Yeah, so um, my uh, music business is Harmony Tones, um, 
harmony spelled like a normal person would spell it, and tones is T-O-A-N-Z, which is a partially a joke throwback to 80s hair metal. But <laughs> um, And the best place to find me actually is um, right now is on my Facebook page. Um, I have a profile for Harmony Tones, and I have a page for Harmony Tones, but I have a website coming soon, and um, I'll get all that information up there as well. Um, and uh, that's what I have going right now because I wasn't sure I was going to continue this as, as a quote-unquote business, but uh, I have become sure of that. So now I'm putting those pieces in place. And um, so there's more to come, uh, including better places to find me than a Facebook page. But uh, for now, that's what I have. Um, and uh, I also uh, re respond to emails at J-A-S-J, uh, that's Jace J Latham at gmail.com. And um, if you want to communicate with me, that's where to do it. And we can set up a time to meet and see what's right for you and if we're a good fit. Thank you. I really appreciate you. Well, first of all, just putting your creativity out in the world, sharing your story, connecting with the earth and the next generation. Um, you know, there's there's just so much hope I get in the conversation time with you. I really appreciate what you do, what, um, you know, the what you share. Um, and thank you for being a part of this journey with me. It, it brings me a lot of joy. Absolutely. I am so glad we were connected and that you reached out. Um, that could have gone so many ways that it didn't. And, you know, it was really interesting, too, if I recall in the beginning, our connection was a little timeless. Like there was never any pressure on either side to find a time, get a deadline. Like we kind of operated outside the realms of time, which is really nice to do because we were in the midst of a no time. Like time was, again, a suggestion. <laughs> pretty relevant. <laughs> yeah. So thank you again. Yeah. Um, I'm so thank excited you. to put this to put this out. Um, and share and thanks again for being a part of the journey and being the soundtrack to, to what this vision is it means a lot thank you for having me um it, it's really a pleasure to be a part of it awesome thanks jason on a personal note mm. i expect that next week it will be warm enough to swim yes <laughs> that is a great goal to have uh, what yeah. body of water will you swim in first place i'm going to shoot for is silver lake nice that's my go-to and it's a little it's a smaller and shallower lake so it warms up a little earlier than the others so i actually am going to head out there later this week and put a toe in and see it's, i was out there last week and it's not quite ready it's a little chilly I, still we've got some 90 day 90 degree days coming up so it should it should bring it there awesome well uh, enjoy the water i know i always do it's a it's a whole nother yeah. spiritual experience and um, getting my shoulders ready exactly <laughs> um hug the kids hug the pups and we'll be in touch. Thanks again. Thank you, Bill.